0: I'd like to talk to you this morning about the dynamic duo. Jess, you probably know who the dynamic duo is. Mm-hmm. Who is the dynamic duo? Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin, yeah. <laughs> but, but this dynamic duo is a different dynamic duo. And, and so I'd like to talk to you about the dynamic duo this morning. Our happiness depends on getting rid of the dynamic duo. So they're not really superheroes, but to us, they're superheroes. But they're not really superheroes. See, Batman and Robin both wore a mask to keep their real identity hidden. Our happiness depends on getting rid of the dynamic duo. The dynamic duo is really the feelings of vanity and self-conceit that we wear, like a uniform, like a mask. False personality is supported by the dynamic duo, acting as lead boots that hold us in the second state of consciousness, which is our ordinary state of consciousness which the work calls, the fourth way calls, waking sleep. The difference between the first state of consciousness, which is a sleep on your bed, and the second state of consciousness is that the moving center is active. When you sleep on your bed, your moving center is pretty much inactive. Oh, you roll over, move, now and then you react to something. But you don't have a moving center that's mechanically Well, it is mechanically acting. There's more consciousness to it. That's why it's called the second state of consciousness. So there's more consciousness to it because you're actually aware that you can move in the second state of consciousness. It's not like total sleep, it's waking sleep. You're awake in a certain area to a certain degree. So that's our ordinary state of consciousness, which is waking sleep. The activity of false personality stops in the third state of consciousness. Our usual feeling of I disappears along with all of the forms of worry, jealousy, internal considering that spoil life. We don't know they spoil our lives, so we need crime fighters, the dynamic duo, this masked couple that fight the crimes of jealousy and worry and fear and anxiety and all of the things that just torment us in life, not to mention internal considering, which, of course, is is probably the worst. It's probably the most cancerous thing that we can have, because it really starts all of the other. But internal considering is based on the dynamic duo, vanity and self-conceit. When we practice work ideas, we taste new states of consciousness. Some of these states of consciousness can be very close to bliss. When you are so free from the worry, the jealousy, the internal consideration that spoil your life normally, you are in a state of near bliss. It's like, yeah, I want to stay here. And then, of course, as soon as you grab hold of that, you start to, it starts to pull you back into your ordinary state of consciousness where those things are. Falling back into the second state becomes a problem for us. For people who haven't studied this work, it's no problem. It's their state of consciousness. They just accept it all as, well, this is just life, and you fight your way through, and you steal what you can steal, and you grab what you can grab, and you get what you can get, and you push away the people who you you don't like, and you, you cling to the people that you do like. And this is normal, ordinary life for millions of people on this planet. But you're not like that now. You look at that now, and it's distasteful to you. Even if you still do it, it's distasteful to you. You don't want to do it. There's a big difference between that and just being in it and accepting it as all there is. You had this nagging sense that there was something something more in life, more freedom. There was more fulfillment. There was more peace. There was more something internal, something that you couldn't put your finger on. And you look around and other people don't want that, but you find yourself dissatisfied with what they want or what they're doing, and what you're doing, because you don't want to do it anymore. You know, I'm tired of being this way. I don't want to be this way anymore. But I can't get out of it because these negative states keep pulling me back down into it. I keep getting hooked by them. The dynamic duo. In a sense, when you're in this state of near bliss in the third state of consciousness, and you fall back down into the second state of consciousness, it's like falling from heaven to hell. We're attacked by the nastiest eyes. You think about it, really nasty. Petty, ignorant, angry, violent eyes. And, and they just glom onto us like leeches, like ticks, like fleas, and they start to suck our strength and suck our energy. But they give us this this like guana or caffeine, you, you know, where we, we start to feel energized, but it's not real energy. It's this jittery, nasty kind of negative energy. You're smiling. I hope that means that you understand what I'm talking about and not that you think that I'm you know, using commercials or energy drinks. But it just ha- so happens that it fits. i got to use what fits. I've got u- got to use what works. I've got to do what works. We get into bad moods, negative states. Without a sincere act of self-remembering, we may very well despair. We get into these states, and it's just like it becomes hopeless. How is it that Steve put it last week? What's the point? It's impossible. It's hopeless. Everything's falling apart. It's not, is that pretty much it? Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Mm-mm. That covers it? Pretty okay. much. Well, I don't want it to be pretty much. I want it to be real. No, that's real. Okay. Now, you still there? Less. So. Less. Okay. Less. But still, it's a problem. But you were in despair. Yes. Okay. So this is really what got me thinking about this. Mm. I looked at this and I thought, this guy has been working on this for years and he's made such incredible progress. And then he, he falls back really literally, it looks like from heaven to hell. I looked at it and I thought, this is like he was 20 years ago. And I thought, this is wrong. <laughs> this, is, this is just wrong. But, this is, but I started thinking, well, what is it that's happening? Why, why is this happening? It's happened to me as well. Why is this happening? What is it really about? What is the mechanics of this? Work has an ultimate clear aim and everything that's taught in this work is about realizing the same. Unfortunately, we don't practice inner separation practically every day in life. In the daily situations we have in life as a rule, we really don't practice what this work teaches. Have you noticed that? Mm -hmm. You notice that it's just such a struggle. Inner separation is difficult. Instead, we spend our time in states that are ruled by the false personality. What states are ruled by the false personality? states of stupidity states of stupor states of violence states of addiction states of involuntary lying we involuntarily lie they ask somebody a question and you know that their answer is a total complete lie and they involuntarily lie they hear it coming out of their mouths wasn't it you laurie <laughs> well last night what was it i asked you the sushi Oh, that's right. We had sushi last night at Lori's house, and, and she had made this little sushi, and it was a rice boat thing, it looked like, actually, with a, with a snow pea on top of it, and it was wrapped with nori, a little strip of nori. And if you went to a sushi bar, you might see, you know, some kind of salmon or something on a on a bed of rice, sushi be- boat of rice, you know, and the salmon laying on top, then wrapped with... Uh, Nori and so (laughs) I looked at it it was really it was nice looking you know it was very appealing to the eye and I said well that's nice Lori um what what did I ask you if you came up with that or yeah and she goes oh yeah I just thought of that well, that's, that's really, you should be a chef or something, you know. That's, and then I asked, I don't know how it happened, but I asked her a couple other questions. And what was it you said? I, just, I saw it in a magazine. Yeah, she saw it. <laughs> she, she, she finally came down to tell the truth that she saw it in a magazine. I said, well, why do you lie to me? She goes, I don't know. <laughs> just involuntary lying. You know, I don't know why I lied. I just lied. And it's like, that's what I'm talking about. That, those are states that are ruled by the false personality. When I say ruled by the false personality, I mean we have fallen back into that state of waking sleep and that state of unconsciousness. And it's not total unconsciousness. So this is where people have a problem. Well, I'm not unconscious. No, of course you're not unconscious. You'd be better off unconscious. How could you say that? I'll tell you later. Because I know something you don't know. That's how I can say that. I guess we're beyond the point of caring. It's like, okay, you can know something I don't know. In fact, I hope you do know something I don't know. I came here to find something that I don't know. Good. I came here to tell you something you don't know. Or at least give you a different perspective of something that you may know but may not be fully grounded in at this point. You may not have fully realized for yourself at this point. We all have have different states of realization. We need to be reminded that in the third state of consciousness, false personality loses its power over us as we move into new areas of inner and outer experience. Think about third states of consciousness is there just one third state of consciousness? Of course not. There are different degrees of realization of that third state of consciousness. It should all be so cut and dried, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That would be nice, but that is a construct. That's not the way life is. Life is not man number one, man number two, man number three, man number four, man number five, man number six, man number seven. That's not how life is divided up. There are billions of people. Yes, and there are maybe millions who are man number one, and millions who are man number two, and millions who are man number three, four, five. Notice I don't mention six and seven. What I want to say is that it's not enough to hear it, to read it, to say it. We've got to realize it as a personal fact. It's not enough for me to remind you, oh, did you know that the false personality loses its power when you enter into the third state of consciousness? But yet we do need to be reminded. But it's not enough to be reminded. We have got to get there. And you have all gotten there. There's not a person in this room who hasn't been in the third state of consciousness. There's not a person in this room who hasn't been in the fourth state of consciousness. There's not a person in this room who doesn't know what the fourth state of consciousness is like. No one in this room doesn't know what it's like to peek into the fifth state of consciousness. How does this fit in with the work, what I'm telling you now? What happens when we fall back down from third to second? Small eyes take hold of us. We identify with them. We exaggerate their importance, keeping us in sleep. I'm gonna do something I haven't done in a long time. I hope everybody's amenable to this. I'm gonna use as an example someone in the room. I don't usually do that, especially if it's a negative kind of thing. But since we already brought up Steve and his latest fall from heaven to hell, I'd like to talk about it because I think it's going to be useful. Small eyes take hold of us, I said. We identify with them. We exaggerate their importance and it keeps us in sleep. Tammy had her father and stepmother stay with them. Tammy is Steve's wife, for those of you who don't know. Her father just fallen and broken his hip, had surgery, got out of the hospital, and he stayed with Tammy's brother for a week and then came over and stayed with Tammy for a week. Well, he was having trouble with his hip, obviously, while he's healing. So the only way he could really feel comfortable was to be sitting in a chair, and it would have to be a recliner kind of chair. Well, there's only one reclining chair in the house, and it's Steve's. So he took over Steve's chair in Steve's house. And Steve sits in that chair. Because he works hard, and when he comes home, he plunks down in that chair, and he puts his feet up, watches television, eats his dinner, and whatever else he does, basically relaxes and unwinds from his hard day of work. So nothing wrong with that. But what happened is that Steve kind of got sucked into small eyes, and he began to identify with them, and he began to exaggerate their importance. So that his chair became important to him, and this person sitting in his chair was monopolizing his chair, his television room, and his wife, because his wife was paying attention to her father. You only have so much attention, people, and when you start to divide it up and you give somebody more, that means somebody else has to get less. Well, Steve got less, and the little eyes got hold of him, and he identified with them, and he exaggerated their importance. And the only thing that became important in life was that he'd get his chair back, he'd get his wife back, he'd get his attention back, he'd get his life back. And so he became obstreperous, agitated, obstreperous, negative. Well, Tammy is stuck between a rock and a hard place. Uh, Tammy's got her father here. She loves her father. Oh, yeah. How old's your dad? You know, he's, he's, he's like older than me. Well, he could die any minute. <laughs> he just, he just <laughs> fell down and broke his hip. Only old people fall down and break their hips. And then they usually die. You're an RN. You're a nurse practitioner. You both, you both know these things. You know that old people fall down, they break their hips, and then they die. This is all going in the back of Tammy's mind, in her unconscious mind, as it were. Maybe she knows it. Maybe she doesn't know it. Whether she's willing to admit it or not, I don't really care because I know it. Because I saw her go through it, and I knew what she was going through. Steve, I could see what Steve was going through, and it wasn't understanding what Tammy was going through. And Tammy was going through her stuff, so she wasn't understanding what Steve was going through. Unfortunately, I was in a horrible position of understanding what both of them were going through and trying to get them to see the other person's point of view, which, of course, is ridiculous and impossible because you can't get anybody to see anything. They either see it or they don't. So I presented to each of them different points of view. Then I left them free to choose. Choose what you want, whatever you can do. Where Steve was, he couldn't move very much. Where Tammy was, she couldn't move very much. I went to the chiropractor the other day, and he got to my neck and... He could barely move it." He said, Man, that's really tight. I said, Yeah, I know. That's why I'm here. Sometimes we get that way. Now, where did that come from? Well, I don't know. Well, you were just stressed. Well, maybe I was, but I didn't feel stressed. I didn't know I was stressed. Where was that stress coming from? I don't know. Do I have to know? What is that about? I have to figure that out. I have to dig in the crap pile until I figure out what that came from? Oh, I know what that came from. When I lived 5,000 years ago, uh, I did this, and then now it's coming up. What, who cares? You know, here it is. Deal with it. How can you deal with it? The best way you can. For me, it was to go to the chiropractor and get a little bit of help. Did it help you out a little bit for a little while? Then it was tight again. Then I dealt with it, and it's gone. And it went as fast as it came. We don't know what is behind us. We don't know cars in this train, this line that we're pulling. See, we're pulling a line, people. We are here, but we're pulling a line from the past. And each one is attached to each one. You don't know what all of them are, but you're pulling them. They are what you pull through life. What does the work talk about that? I'm talking about that. But I cannot be fettered by the limitation of people who do not understand what I'm talking about. You don't understand. You don't understand. But just admit you don't understand rather than question my veracity. If I understand something you don't understand, I'm sorry. Not really, but I'm sorry for you. I'm sorry you don't understand it. But if you do want to understand it, you might want to try to do what I'm telling you to do. You might want to try and move in the direction that I'm telling you to move. Then maybe you will understand it. Rather than kicking against the goads, rather than resisting because you don't understand and you're frustrated because you don't understand, accept the fact that you don't understand. Humble yourself. Stop comparing yourself with me. Stop comparing yourself with other people and accept that you don't understand. That's where understanding comes from. It comes from understanding that you don't understand and making not understanding okay. See, the thing about these small eyes that got hold of Steve and got hold of Tammy too, is that they were connected with the false personality, with vanity and self-conceit. What happened is it gave both of them a wrong feeling of eye. Tammy's feeling of eye was all wrapped up in what her parents thought about her and her marriage and her husband and her household and how things were done and how he treated her and how she treated them. And she had daughterly feelings that she should have toward her father. She was honoring her father. She was respecting her father. She was loving her father. She was giving to her father the way she should be doing. And though she was doing that, she was doing something else that was not healthy. She was feeding vanity and self-conceit because she was making what her parents thought of her more important than what she knew about herself. And Steve was doing the opposite. He didn't care about her parents. All he cared about was himself. So he let self-conceit and vanity overcome him. That's what the problem was. I didn't tell them that. I didn't tell them that because they were in no position to hear it. That's like, you know, somebody on fire. You find somebody, you walk into a house, somebody sitting there, they're on fire screaming. And you say, well, you're on fire, you idiot. Put it out. It doesn't, that doesn't work. What you have to do is you have to get out the fire extinguisher and spray them down. You have to first get the flames out. And then you have to deal with the damage. I tried to put the flames out the best I could. Vanity and self-conceit giving us a wrong feeling of eye. And what's that wrong feeling of eye called? Imaginary eye. If it's not who you really are, then, and you have this feeling that it is who you really are, then it's imaginary eye. Well, what's the difference between that and thinking you're Napoleon? I don't know any difference at all. You're in a nuthouse, and you think you're Tammy. You're in a nut house, and you think you're Pat because this is a nuthouse. Look around you and you will see that everybody here thinks that there's something that they're not, including you. It's just that you don't know it, but you suspect it, which makes you just a tiny bit healthier and unhappy. <laughs> it's like, and that's it, people. This is it. The suspicion that you are not who you thought you were your whole life, that makes you unhappy. And if happiness is your goal... Get rid of that! Right, and there's two ways to get rid of it. One is to run away from it and go back to the second state of consciousness. Or the other one is to get beyond the second state of consciousness. Guess which one I am going to recommend. Going beyond, yes, that's right. Imaginary I, this wrong feeling of I, is born of the dynamic duo, the marriage of vanity and self-conceit. Those two things together, joined together, seal our fate. That gives us the support that we need to shore up imaginary eye so that we continue to think that we are something that we are not. Now, most people wouldn't know what to do if they were freed from false personality. They were instantly freed from false personality. They would not have a clue what to do. Not only that, but they would be most unhappy. Let me tell you why they would be most unhappy. Because he's got my chair. He's in my TV room. They move stuff around in my room and nobody asked me. That's why. Because we are so identified, we are so attached to the false personality and our feeling of eye an imaginary eye that if those things were suddenly taken away from us, we would be violent. There's no question about it. I look at Steve's violence and now I understand it. Well, of course. He thought he was a chair. He thought he was a television room. He thought he was a family room. He thought he was the king of his castle, <laughs> the, the master of his ship, the arbiter of his destiny. Have you ever thought that? Yeah, I've thought that. And what does that make you? unhappy that's what it makes you it makes you really unhappy and if you happen to be the outward expressive type it makes you violent what does violent mean violent means you are willing to get your way by force psychological force physical force emotional force verbal force any kind of force that you think will get you what you want that is what I mean by violent if you come in that category in any area not all, you don't have to come in any area, in all the areas, just one area. You qualify as a violent person. That qualifies as false personality. That qualifies as imaginary eye. That qualifies as vanity and conceit, giving us a wrong feeling of eye. We would lose our life if suddenly we awakened to the third state of consciousness. Why? <laughs> because that's not where you have everything. Where you have everything is in the second state of consciousness. All of the things you're identified with, all of the things that you do are all in the second state of consciousness. Is that such a bad place? No. If you're happy there, stay there. It's okay with me. I'm not asking anyone to leave it if they like it. This is for people who don't want to be there anymore. This is for people who it's become so distasteful to them that they're willing to suffer to get to the third state of consciousness. That they're willing to suffer the separation from imaginary I, false personality. They're willing to suffer the separation of not having their chair, their TV room, their wife catering to them, their business doing well, their body always being perfect and not giving them too much trouble. Now, there aren't many people who are willing to suffer for that. Like, why should they? I have no idea why they should but there are some people who have no choice because they had what the work calls magnetic center. Is it really magnetic center? Of course not. Some idiot's looking for magnetic center with a magnet or a p- iron filings, you know, waving iron filings all over his body trying to find magnetic center. This work is not for you. You've missed the point. Yep, they'd feel as if they lost their entire life if suddenly awakened to the third state. We wouldn't know who we are. If you wake up out of imaginary eye, who are you? Uh, it's like waking up out of amnesia. I don't know who I am. It reminds me of that movie with uh, Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn where she's this rich chick and she falls off a boat and he fishes her out of the drink, you know, and takes her home and figures out she doesn't know what she, she doesn't know anything. So he goes, hey, he doesn't have a wife. He's got all these brat kids. So he takes her home and says, yeah, you're my wife. These are all your kids. <laughs> she doesn't remember anything. <laughs> it was a great, it was a great uh, spoof. It's kind of like that. You know, you wake up out of this and you don't know who you are, and you don't know what's yours, and you don't know what's not yours. And it's a very uncomfortable feeling. And because we don't like discomfort, what do you think that makes us do? We cling to the comfort, we cling to the things that we know. We cling to the familiar. Well, what is that? All those things back there in the second state of consciousness. So, we're sucked back into that. And as soon as we're in that, the little eyes are like fleas in a house that's been closed up for a month. And no living thing has been in it and then you walk into the house with a pair of white pants on and they suddenly are white from the knees up and the shiny moving black from the knees down because the fleas are hungry and those little eyes are like that and they want blood what is blood what does the Bible say blood is the life you're not to eat the blood because the blood is the life they want the life whose life do they want your life who else there isn't anybody else they have access to. They're internal. So they want your life. So they jump on you and they start biting and sucking your life. When we've been in amnesia and this happens, we think, oh, well, this is just the way life is. It's just uh, my friends. All my friends have come back to me and they're sucking your life. It's all right. They're my friends. I don't mind sharing. Awakening is a gradual process, gradual inner development of understanding through which we discard certain states by choice. How did you begin to get out of that state? First of all, by seeing it and seeing what it was doing to me and to Tammy and realizing that it was just going against everything that I all my aims. In other words, I chose to go back to my aim. I chose to see what I was being. I chose to look at it. I chose to separate from, that's my chair. Actually, it wasn't total choice because his father-in-law gave his chair back and left. So it wasn't total choice, but it made it easier. So it was like an alarm clock. Father-in-law has left. His chair's back. Everything's back to normal. But he is still, in the second state of consciousness, stuck in violence. But with no fire. No fire under him. So here he is boiling with no fire under him. So where is the fire coming from? It's not coming from outside anymore. So what's left? Oh, well, it's her. It's her fault. She hasn't apologized. She hasn't done all the things she's supposed to do to put the fire out. Well, then she does. She does all the things she's supposed to do to put the fire out. What are those things? See her part in this. That's all. This is my part in this, which then leaves him free to see his part in it, which is a big part, a huge part. In fact, I would go as far to say this drama could not have been played out without his part. There's no way. No way it could have happened. It would have been a totally different play. Instead of Hamlet, it would have been uh, A Midsummer Night's Dream, (laughs) whatever. Instead, it turned out to be this horrible scene when it could have been something else. We slowly climb the ladder due to our clinging. Why do we slowly climb the ladder? It's not that it's hard to climb the ladder. It's that it's hard to let go of the last rung. It's hard to step up and leave all of the stuff that we know behind, all of the familiar comforting things. But they are fleas all over you, sucking your life. It doesn't matter. They're our friends. They're what we know. The first climb is to awaken from sleep. From there, we see what we need to sacrifice to what we must die. The first step is to awaken from sleep, to begin to see this is about me. This isn't about these other people. Now, had Steve taken that first step? Yes. And he fell back down. He fell back down into thinking it was all about those other people doing it to him. And his life became hell from Paul mentioned seven levels of heaven. And you either know you don't know what that is. I know, so I'm not going to explain it because either you know you don't know. Well, who cares? But Steve was in a level of heaven, not not a very high level, but a level of heaven where he was experiencing some bliss, but he fell back into hell and it was hell. I know, I saw it. You know you saw it. You know you were in it. But then he began to see what he needed to sacrifice. Tammy began to see what she needed to sacrifice. She began to see what she needed to die to. Rex said to me the other day, and it was such a great thing to have someone say, yeah, sure, as long as people, as long as there's no resistance. As long as there's no problems, as long as there's no disturbance, everybody's doing great. It's only when the resistance comes, the disturbance comes, the shakeup comes, then the real test of what we have done tells us, shows us where we really are. See, Steve could imagine that he was an enlightened being until somebody took his chair. Then he didn't care a fig for enlightenment. He wanted his chair back. He didn't care a fig for peace and brotherly love. He wanted his wife waiting on him hand and foot which she couldn't do if she was waiting on somebody else hand and foot. I don't have any judgments about that. If she wants to wait on him hand and foot, that's up to her. If he wants her to wait on him hand and foot, that's up to them. If they like it that way, great, do that. But when it gets to this, then something needs to happen. After we see what we need to sacrifice, see what we have to die to, then we become able to do it. Yeah, but you said we can't do. Yes, that's right. And you can't do You can't do 100% of the time. You can't do it all. But you have learned to do something. You can do more than you, when you started. You know more about yourself than you used to know. You're in a better state of consciousness in your ordinary life than you used to be. But you're not in the third state of consciousness or the fourth state of consciousness. Well, sometimes you are. It's just, you'll have to accept that. Sometimes you are. The hard part is that you fall back because it's not set for you yet. And it takes a long time to set it. It's a gradual process. It's like they have five-minute epoxy. This is not five-minute epoxy. This is the other kind, the old kind. <laughs> Frankly, I haven't found five-minute epoxy that great. Have you ever noticed a difference between the, between the five-minute and the, the hour? I have noticed a difference. I've noticed that five-minute is not as good, which kind of makes me think that it takes what it takes. And five minutes great for some things, but for other things, the hour is the only epoxy that will do. Transformation becomes possible. Rebirth becomes possible. But for a long time, we're between yes and no. We're between heaven and hell, where we have moments in heaven and days in hell. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And what I'm saying is, that's between yes and no. It's not an easy place to be, which is why I'm talking about it, because great patience is needed. By your endurance, you will gain your lives, Jesus said in Luke 21:19. As we are, we have no life to live. Life lives us. When you are at the disposal of life, when you are directed by someone being in your chair, when you are directed by someone bumping into your car, when your whole life is directed by what happens in it, you don't have a life. That's not a life. That's a marionette. That's a puppet. You're at the effect of life. That is not having a life. That's life living you not you living life. So here we are, great patience is needed, endurance is needed so that we can gain our lives. What's not needed? I'll tell you what's not needed. Resignation and despair are not needed because they belong to the second state of consciousness. They belong to false personality and if you don't want the second state of consciousness, if you don't, if you don't want to be run by false personality, if you don't want to have life live you, then you must give up resignation and despair. You must sacrifice it. Oh, but but you don't understand. Oh, no, I do understand. After 40 years of teaching, I know resignation and despair intimately. After 40 years of having people take everything that they can get and then walk away and say, well, you screwed up. I know what resignation and despair is about. But after 40 years of getting up and doing it again, I know what patience and endurance is, too. So I know both of them. And I choose patience and endurance over resignation and despair because I can. When we can't break out of negative states, we must endure. Conscious of the situation, but unable to do anything about it for a time. And this is what has really had Steve in the vice. Here he could see this, and he knew his behavior was, was wrong. There's no question about it. He looked at this behavior, this is just wrong. But there was nothing he could do about it, because he was in the vice grip of the negative state. But how could such a big guy... Be overcome by such little eyes. Do you remember Gulliver's Travels? Did you think that was real? Don't you know that that's about your internal states? Don't you know that, that this big, huge, real eye that you are, when it goes to sleep, the little eyes can overcome it, tie it up, and that's what happened. He went to sleep. I thought he couldn't sleep if he wasn't in his chair. Well, the other side of that is he can't wake up if somebody's in his chair. It's all about gaining more light, insight through self-observation. We, see, we have to learn to taste, to sense when we're in a right place or when we're wrong internally. So he could sense he was in the wrong place internally. You could sense you were in the wrong place internally, but you were unable to do anything about it. Then the only thing you can do in that time is patiently endure and observe. But above all, do not act. Do not make decisions alone. Only make decisions when you have someone you trust who can help you find your bearings. Someone who you know has a compass, and can help you find your bearings. Now, I admit, it takes humility. You've got to swallow. You've got to put aside the dynamic duo, vanity and self-conceit. And that's tough, because we rely on those crime fighters to help us get the fleas off us, to help us get unstaked, like in Gulliver's Travels. In the land of what, Lilliput? It does, that doesn't matter. That's not the point. The point is that we've got to do something about it through self-observation. This helps us to remember our aim. You know, aim is useless. Unless we start from understanding. And you did not start from understanding. Not one of you made an aim from understanding in the beginning. You made your aim from my understanding. And that's why you couldn't do it. I look back on all the things you couldn't do. You couldn't hang to a diet. You couldn't hang to a meditation routine. You couldn't stay with this. You couldn't stay with that. Why? Because you were acting. You were making your aims from my understanding and not from your own. Well, what does your understanding mean? It means understanding that there's some things you can't do. But he can do it. Why can't I? I don't know. Different states of consciousness, different levels of being. I don't know. What's it matter? Stop comparing yourself. That's an unhealthy comparison. You want to compare yourself, compare yourself to one of your eyes, one of yourselves, one of your lives, where you were, where you are, where you've been, where you are, where you'd like to get back to. Compare that. Compare yourself to yourself. Don't compare yourself to other people. If we think we can do, little eyes make aims without calculating second force. We fail, we get depressed. We feel we can't work. We feel the work doesn't work. We feel this is all hopeless. We fall into despair. The little eyes begin to suck our life, our blood, our energy, our force. Very dangerous state. Better to get out of it quickly. Because the longer you stay there, the weaker you get. Absorbing negative thoughts and feelings about the work is very dangerous. It makes us weak. It saps our force. We must make some kind of an effort at this point not to allow false personality to overcome us. Matthew twelve twenty nine. How can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house? Gulliver's Travels, that's where that comes from. For those of you who hate Christianity and hate the Bible and hate religion and hate God, for those people, we have Gulliver's Travels. You can't get away from me. I'm everywhere. You can't get away from the truth. The truth is everywhere. And as long as I tell the truth, as long as I identify myself with the truth, I'm everywhere. The dynamic duo vanity and self-conceit will bind and plunder us if we go with the little eyes. Little eyes overcome us, the strong man, because who you are is strong. Who you think you are is also very strong and it has an army of little eyes, little blood sucking eyes that when you fall asleep, they are all over you. And when you awaken, you are under the power of vanity and self-conceit. What's the way out? The third state of consciousness. We have to live with one another. In such a way that false personality plays a very small part in our relationships. Normally, we can do that. Normally, Steve and Tammy can do that. Normally, they have come to a place where they're able to get along without false personality completely ruling their relationship. But this last episode, false personality took over. And it was a disaster. From what perspective? From their perspective. From my perspective, whatever. But from their perspective, this was unacceptable. From my perspective, it's like, gee, i would seen worse than that. This takes light, insight, understanding, and endurance. If you want to free yourself from false personality, making it play a smaller and smaller part in your relationships, you'll need light, understanding, and insight. You'll need endurance and patience. If that's too much for you, go find some other way. There's no shame in that. Other people have done it, and I'm glad they did. It's kind of like scraping barnacles off the hull of a boat so that it can move through the water with less resistance. I'm good with that. I'm always ready to get rid of barnacles. Are you a barnacle? Is there something you want to hang on to? Some hard, crusty shell that you want to hang on to? That's up to you. I can tell you this, your way out of this is I can work. The linchpin of this work is the practical application of the ideas shared in the podcasts. If you'll go to SolidRockVista.com to the Thoughts page, I've written a number of articles that will help you to practice the principles that we're sharing with you in the podcasts.